Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about the sales to production handoff the help of special guest Mike Livingston of Black Dog Builders in Salem, New Hampshire. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone out there in podcast land. I am Tim Fowler and welcome to this edition of the Tim Fowler Show. Just keep the ideas coming in. I really appreciate the feedback that you have as well as ideas for uh, shows. So send that to me at Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. So the handoff, turnover, passing the baton, whatever you want to call it, is an absolutely critical step in a successful production process. So the reason I want to emphasize that is very often when I'm working with companies, I find that it's not working and it's one of the big glitches in the process. So it's probably not so much the physical activity of getting together and having a meeting, but it's the content of that meeting that I think is often the challenge for uh, companies. So with that in mind, I just want to mention that I get a lot of questions when I'm traveling around speaking at events or whatever about this process. And so a lot of them focus around like selections, like Do they really all have to be done? Or in some cases, I get people asking me things like, do we really have to have construction drawings as part of that turnover? Or can we just go with the permit set until the drawings get done? So the other thing that I find out is that a lot of people are having this meeting. Maybe they went to a trade show and they heard somebody like myself talking about it and said, oh, you need to have a handoff. They go home go back to the office, they start putting it into practice, but it's not being effective. And that's a critical part of this is making it effective. So for Steve and I, uh, me fairly recently, Steve a little while further back, in our own little businesses, we were sales and production. So the handoff really was just mental. And so we just had to go like, okay, we're switching from the sales mode And now we're in production because we did the work, we interacted with the client and all that good stuff. But as companies grow, the handoff becomes more critical and can often get a lot more complicated. So at first, as companies grow, it may be as simple as the sales owner handing a job off to a lead carpenter. Then it may graduate to a lead carpenter and a production manager. Then it may involve an in-house designer. So as growth occurs, it's going to impact how this process develops. So what I want to say really clearly is that wherever you are in the business, it's going to change. So as you move forward with some of these ideas, understand that as your company develops, it will change. It's also going to change with the type of products or the type of projects that you do. So a company that does only kitchens and bath may have an agenda that looks a little bit different from a company 
that does whole house remodels. So with all that information, with all the specialization that's out there in the world, with our guest today, we're going to either give you a good start on this, or perhaps we're going to hand you just a little tidbit that'll make your production turnover process a little more effective. So, Tim, as long as I can remember, I've seen you speak about this and write about this. Uh, you mentioned content, but as companies grow, do you feel that many of them overcomplicate this or don't uh, make it complicated enough or don't put in enough detail? What is the biggest hurdle there? Well, I think, yes, I think they overcomplicate it. I've been to companies where they spend three or four hours in a turnover meeting, and by the time they get done, Everybody's so drained. They're just grateful the meeting's over. And, <laughs> and then they, uh, they hope to go out there and manage the job. So I think there is that. I think one of the big things is, and everybody knows this, but it's all about communication. Yeah. And, uh, and so a good meeting, good communication, a long, drawn-out meeting, perhaps not so much. Yeah. Well, great. Let's get started. Mike? Livingston is the production manager with Black Dog Builders with locations in Salem and Amherst, New Hampshire. He's been with the company for 23 years, many project managing additions, kitchens and baths, and as the company has grown, has filled the seat of production manager. In 2018, Mike was honored as advisor of the year at Shawshin Votech, where he serves on the Carpentry Advisory Board. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks, Steve. Nice to be here and... Uh... Hi, Tim. Hey, how's it going? It's good. So uh, I guess just to get started on this, um, just give us a, a rundown of what your process is for this handoff. Yeah, so um, our process starts uh, early on when, when um, we have a project on what's called partner plan for us. And that's when the, the client commits, uh, you know, a, a small amount of money to us and we um, we commit to them to do drawings and specifications and get really into details of the project and we hook uh, the designer up our designers are our estimators and salespeople we hook them up with um, a project manager um, to start reviewing the project and getting the details in order and then um, before it goes to contract uh, our project manager reviews the entire contract um, to be sure that it can be built. It's kind of a, a mutual commitment that uh, we're checking the budgets and making sure it can get built. And then, um, then the the designer builds the our we call it our blue binder system. Um, builds the blue binder. And that goes through a process where the owner of the company checks it for quality. And then it goes to cabinet ordering, uh, checking for, for other uh, flaws. Um, and then it gets finally to the project manager. And a duplicate of that is given to the lead carpenter. Um, the lead carpenter is tasked with studying the project way, well before it starts. We have them come into the office, spend hours, make a list of questions. And the more that, that they can study that binder and all the information that's in that, the smoother it's going to go. You know, they identify the, the problem areas. The so, so this is really interesting because I think one of the things that is changing over 
the years is bringing in the project manager earlier in the process. So did I really hear you say that basically as soon as you have that design agreement signed, you're bringing in a project manager? And then I guess I want to know, do you have, do you know it's going to be that project manager that's assigned to the job or does any old project manager do at that point and then it may go to somebody else down the road? So most of the time we know it's going to be that project manager. The only um, change to that is if, you know, um, a whole bunch of projects sell for one particular project manager and then we'll shuffle things around a bit. Right. So they're getting involved back at that design phase. They're available to get involved. Okay. And it's really up to the designer whether they want to bring them in, if they don't feel confident about some things, if they want a second set of eyes on something. Okay. And then did I hear you say that the the owner of the company, and I'm assuming this is all the design build side of the company, but does the owner of the company literally review every single document or every single contract that goes out for sale? So he's, uh, no, it, uh, we signed the projects and then he's reviewing the binders for completeness. He's making as the sales manager, he's making sure that the salespeople are producing solid packages. Oh, okay. So he, he acts as the sales manager and part of his job as the sales manager is to make sure that before they turn it over to production, it's actually complete. Yes. And then does he have some sort of a checklist for that? Or is he just kind of lit flipping through and going like, looks good, looks good, looks good, looks good. Yeah. So our checklist is we have an index um, and the binder, there's 37 different items on that index. And one is he's checking to make sure all the items are, are in there that should be in there. And uh, the other thing that he's checking is, um, even though he's not looking at every single line item in there, he's trying, kind of generally looking at things and making sure that he can understand the project. Knowing nothing about the project, he can understand um, what we're doing in the project. And if there's any things that jump out at him, uh, you know, a plan that doesn't have dimensions in the right spot or could be any number of things. Yeah, so I think this is a really crucial concept in this handoff that I think a lot of people miss. And the question is, can somebody who's never seen the job site understand the plan? And way back, we did a a podcast with Steve St. Ange about the lead carpenter system with kitchens and baths. And, And they do a great job with kitchens and baths. But I asked him like, why did you set it up like this? And he's, he, he basically said, if I wasn't here tomorrow, would the production team be able to pick it up and run with it without having that salesperson engaged? And I think this is a, and, and at Hopkins and Porter years ago, we did the same thing. Uh, it was always reviewed by the wife of one of the owners who had business experience, but didn't have job site experience. And so she would go through and if she couldn't understand it, then it didn't go on to production until it was clarified. So any examples, Mike, of how uh, Dave has caught some things that just didn't make sense to him. And so actually goes back to sales. 
Yeah, so um, I guess one of the, the challenges we have is, um, you know, in, in you're doing all kinds of details about a project, and sometimes there's something that can't be detailed. An example, we have one project where uh, there was a built-in banquette um, that we're custom building, and there was enough money in the budget for it, um, but there just weren't details around it. Um, not something that you could build from. And the salesperson was kind of thinking, well, you know, we'll just let the lead carpenter figure it out with the client. Right. Um, but the problem was that, you know, there's not money in the budget to allow time for the sales or the carpenter to figure it out with the client. So that's, a, you know, an example of something that would be caught, yeah. would be kicked back to sales and say, no, we need more details about this. Figure it out with the client and then add it to the binder. So as I think what happens with a lot of our podcasts, we have guests on that, you know, have got their stuff together, basically. I mean, we're not asking someone to come on the podcast and tell us about the disaster in their company. And so I think a lot of people will be listening in and going like, well, how did you get there? I mean, that that sounds like a dream world to me. I think it was mentioned you've been with Black Dog for 23 years. And so kind of give us a rundown of how it's changed uh, since you've been there, uh, and maybe who, who pushed the button, so to speak, to have things change. Cause I just got a feeling it's changed. I, I maybe it hasn't, <laughs> but, uh, but give us a rundown on maybe how it's changed a little bit. And then how did that occur? Yeah. So, um, well, 23 years ago, um, when I was the, the project manager and we had a few lead carpenters, um, we just got a folder and there was some papers in there. It was like, <laughs> here, go build this job. Now everybody's connecting with us. They understand that part of it. <laughs> um, and, you know, as we got a little bigger, it became harder and harder and, you know, balls get dropped and um, I'm kind of a systems guy and <laughs> thought, all right, they, we got to be able to put some sort of system, some forms in place or something to, to keep this organized so that when projects come through, um, we know what to expect on the production side of things. And I, I was very fortunate. The owner of our company um, was uh, very encouraging. And, you know, it wasn't hard to get him to buy into the system when when we're talking about um, mutually beneficial results, which is <laughs> profitable projects. Happy <laughs> so, yeah, so could you can you actually see uh, money – uh, losses versus gains when the shift was made? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, you know, just a, a better understanding. The other thing that was happening is, um, you know, when there's a lot of questions, confusion about the project, the salesperson is brought back into the project. And for us, we want our salespeople out selling new jobs. We don't want them actively engaged in helping manage the existing projects. Right. So you could actually trace a couple of different savings in, in money. One you mentioned a few minutes ago, like there wasn't money in the project for the lead carpenter to spend time planning this little uh, build, as well as then it's got to be a savings in money for sales to not have to be going back and figuring stuff out as they go through the project. Yeah, well, sales and also it slows down production. We, you know, we're all about trying to create as much efficiency as we can. And, you know, when a carpenter has to stop 
uh, what he's doing because he can't figure out what uh, you know what a certain detail is. Well, that's just uh, that's just time not well spent. So, how would you? What would you encourage other companies to do that are in that phase where? you're seeing deficiencies in the job packages and uh, maybe sales ownership isn't quite as responsive as uh, the business owner at Black Dog uh, definitely was. So maybe some ideas on encouraging some other companies and, and how they can make that shift. Yeah, I think it's all about having a frank conversation about, you know, creating a mutually beneficial system and how it helps, you know, I don't know any owners out there that aren't interested in making more profits. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I've read it, run into a few that don't seem to mind as long as they can push jobs through <laughs> onto production, you know, they, and then, then they can, uh, kind of get it off their plate, I guess. So, so how do you define it? How do you define a successful handoff? I think maybe that's another, Another thing to look at, because I think sometimes salespeople think a successful handoff is it's now off my plate and I can move on to other things versus uh, the details that you seem to be talking about. So how would you actually define that successful handoff? So I think um, at the successful handoff, um, you know, the the ideal handoff is when the salesperson doesn't have to get involved at all in the project um, when it's under production. That really never happens. So setting those expectations is um, <laughs> a little unrealistic. Right. Um, but the less they have to get involved, the better for them, the better for production. Um, a successful handoff is one that there's a package where there's it's been reviewed well um, by the owner, so it's a complete package by the lead carpenter and project manager, so they really understand the project and have a good list of questions to ask um, about that project. If if they don't have questions uh, that are going to be asked, then somebody is not doing the right thing. <laughs> so, how do you pay for all this time? I mean, you've mentioned the owner of the company who's not cheap, right? And you're talking about the project manager spending time looking at it, and I'm sure that's not cheap. And then talking about the lead carpenter spending time looking at it. Is there actually a line item in your budget for the uh, lead and the project manager to spend some time looking at these things? Yeah, we do have an admin fee um, within our budget, and that covers uh, things like this. Um, and, and the other thing that... Uh, some wise person uh, once told me long ago. Oh, wait, it might have been you, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> I was okay. going to guess well, that. Well, thank you. <laughs> For every hour you spend planning, uh, you save 10 hours in the field, something like that? Or, yeah, I would guess, yeah. Um, so, and I, you know, I couldn't find that more true. <laughs> Very good. So, Mike, uh, 
you know, Tim in his monologue mentioned that he and I were both owners of companies where we, uh, you know, filled different roles throughout the company, most within that handoff in the beginning. So uh, as you grow in a company, you're going to change in not only project size, but the company size. Is there something, you know, if we're talking to a listener who does just basically hand off to a carpenter or he's a part of sales, production, everything. Can they get ahead of the curve in terms of making this process so they can kind of grow into it? Or does it kind of ha- have to happen organically as you grow? Well, I think it, I think it's somewhat organic. I mean, we've been developing our system. It's It's been evolving and it's still evolving. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the past couple of years, we introduced uh, new systems in place. And whenever we see something that's not quite working right we'll tweak it a little bit we're not going to go back and redesign the whole system yeah i guess my question would be um is there a process you can put in place where you're handing off to yourself i guess so that when you hire you're able to fill that void does that does that make sense yeah i i I guess if um so in the case where you have the owner that's doing sales and production management and he's kind of handing it off to a lead carpenter. Um, I think there's a value to that um, because now the lead carpenter has all the information, all the relevant information in one place. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to start before you need it. It's kind of like hiring. And, you know, if you wait till you absolutely need a carpenter, you're behind the eight ball and certainly in this day and age. And I think, one of the reasons why we're trying to do these podcasts is get the word out there so people can get ahead of the game. And so if you're a, you know, $500,000 company right now, and you're planning to do a million, million and a half to 3 million at, you know, four years down the road, get started on this thing because it'll make a big difference instead of having to shift when you get there. So Mike, do you guys actually have a physical meeting in which there is a transfer from sales to production? Uh, not only do we have one, we have two. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, more money. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think it's it's worked pretty well. So, And this is part of the evolution that we did a while ago. Is um, First, we'll have an in-house meeting between the salesperson, the project manager, and the lead carpenter. We call that our job intro meeting. And that's where the salesperson... Even though the the carpenter and project manager have an idea of the job, nobody knows it at that stage like the designer. Okay. And so that designer is going through and saying, well, it's this, that, and the other thing. And part of that meeting is also um, kind of a client disposition. Um, You know, hey, they're really concerned about this sort of thing or the house is a museum and we need to take extra precautions here, there. So having all that information before the job is invaluable. And um, then our second meeting is our pre-construction meeting. So same okay. cast of characters with the client now at their home. Okay. So do you, can you go back a little bit and focus on like the client disposition? Because I think in my working with companies, that's one of the things they often gloss over, I guess is the way to say it. They'll, they'll just hit a few high points And in my mind, that seems to be almost more important than what's written down on the plans because we can all read the plans and scope, but we can't read the client very well. So go back and and give us a little more information about that. Yeah, so it's it's really not complicated. It's, you know, a couple of paragraphs, maybe on a large job, maybe it'll be four paragraphs. 
um, half of which is about the project, um, what we're doing. You know, we're doing a kitchen remodel, we're doing an addition, uh, that type of thing. And um, the reason, maybe the reason why the client wants to have this addition. Um, and then, you know, there's also parts about it that, um, you know, they have a dog that's crazy or, <laughs> um, you know, they, the, the kids are uh, doing this or there's allergies or, you know, all kinds of um, information. That's, that's kind of good to know that eventually the, the project manager and carpenter would find out, but it certainly helps knowing from day one. Yeah, so I think, again, I just want to encourage everybody to really think about that in this handoff from sales to production, because sales is often spent weeks or months finding out these things. And one little error like an allergy can really put a client off of a company if it's not paid attention to, especially if they've told the salesperson but it didn't get communicated to the production team. So watch out for that kind of thing. So do you guys uh, you still use paper uh, or are you up there in the cloud somewhere with this information that you're handing off to the production team? Yeah, we're still uh, using the paper system. I, you know, um, I have known a couple of other companies that have are a little further ahead than us, but um, for us, I'm kind of old school. I still like the paper. Um, <laughs> in our binders, we've got you know printed out pictures of the existing conditions of the job site that help us understand. And um, for me, that works. Um, yeah, you know, a little old school that way. So, is there anything else? I mean, that's kind of unique, I think, for uh, binders. So, anything else that you're putting in this blue binder that's kind of unique to you guys, or that you might think is unique, that really helps communicate what sales is trying to uh, get across to the production team. I think the existing conditions pictures are, are one of those things that a lot of people don't do. Uh, but is there anything else you might feel like is really helpful that you guys do? Yeah. So um, we've got a whole uh, existing conditions checklist. Um, okay. That starts the first time a designer goes to somebody's house it tells us what kind of siding it is, um, how many layers of roofing, um, if it's textured ceilings or, you know, all that information is on there. Um, so our project managers don't have to be on site to know details when they're communicating to subcontractors. Um, so that's that's helpful. We yeah. Also, yeah, we also have an order section that's um, pretty robust. All, all our special orders are listed in there. Um, as well as appliances. Now, we ask our clients to provide us with appliances, but we have all the appliance specs um, in there that we're using. So now our lead carpenters, if the appliances haven't arrived yet, they have all that information at their fingertips. Yeah, so I, I was working with a roofing company many years ago now, but one of the complaints that the installers had was that they would show up at a job and it would be three layers of shingles to tear off instead of just one. And so it was hard for the owner of the company to kind of get his head wrapped around the idea that the preconceived ideas are huge. And so I'm thinking like in New England, we have a lot of mud set tile and we, do, we run into some drywall base tile. And the difference in demo is huge. Yeah. And so if a project manager or a lead carpenter walks into a job expecting to just 
rip the tile out real quick, but it's a mud set based shower. The morale goes downhill really, really fast. And so that's, that's, I think that's fantastic that you're doing this preconditions checklist because that helps everybody get their head in gear for, is it going to be an easy demo? Is it going to be a tough demo? I think that's probably one of the areas where it's most critical for uh, that checklist. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it all works, uh, you know, pretty smoothly there. And, you know, we also can use it as a learning tool if, you know, perhaps we've got uh, somebody that makes a mistake or, or you know, checks off that we've got drywall. <laughs> we really find out we've got some uh, metal last plaster. <laughs> yeah. Out and, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's a big difference. Um, but we can circle back on that and say, hey, you know what? Uh, when you check this off, it was really this. And like, oh, I didn't know. And, okay, so now we could use it as a learning tool. And, that, and then the estimates get better and better and better. So as we're starting to wrap up here, Mike, this has been a fantastic conversation. But any other benefits that you see other than communicating those details of the project that a good handoff has in terms of sales to production? Yeah, I think, you know, we create a lot of buy-in um, from our field staff um, when we give them all this information and they know we're doing our very best to, to you know, set them up for success. Uh, so that's a, a big benefit. The other thing I was thinking is um, I use the our binder system as a sales tool um, when I'm bringing in carpenter candidates to interview. You know, uh, when I can show them how organized we are in our systems and they come in and they're like, wow, <laughs> this place I'm currently working at is, <laughs> um, you know, it looks like, hey, this is a pretty good organized place to work. Well, Mike, thank you so much. We've learned a lot today. I think everybody can get a lot from this podcast. So thank you so much. We we'll look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Okay. Take care, guys. Well, Tim, that was fantastic. I love Black Dog Builders. What a fantastic company. Yeah, they've evolved some, and uh, I think it's great to see uh, how companies can change with a little bit of effort, a little bit of work. Yeah, I think it, it is important just as, as people are developing their company, as they're developing their systems, is to plan ahead, as you said earlier in the show. It's you know just to continue to, as you are budgeting to size and scope and revenue that you're projecting over the years that you're backfilling your systems and processes as well. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I just wanted to reemphasize. I think we did a pretty good job in the podcast of, of getting them out there, but getting them, getting the lead and the project manager involved in pre-job planning, absolutely critical, having a really careful check. And I was actually surprised to hear that the owner of the company is the one that does the check on the index but having some kind of checklist to make sure that everything's involved and if it's not ready to go, it doesn't get handed over. All those kinds of things make it work very, very successfully. Yeah, and, and the more people that are kind of looking at it in an efficient way, the less it's going to slip by and cause chaos down the road. So That's exactly right. Yeah. So once again, we would like to thank Mike Livingston for joining us today, and we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? 
Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.